It's the Almost Perfect Podcast. Welcome to the Almost Perfect Podcast, a celebration of fuck-ups, failures, and falling flat on your face. This is a podcast that believes you can learn from experience, but that experience doesn't have to be your own. Ha, I'm Bob Perfect, and I'm a functional fuck-up. Let's learn from somebody else's mistakes, and today we're learning from Tasman Nadu. Now, Tasman is an illustrator and comic creator, and I absolutely love her work. Uh, she's got some chops too. She studied at Michaela's. She did fine art all the way down in Cape Town. But uh, lately these days, she mostly focuses on illustration and creating comics. And she's got an absolutely fantastic comic that I think a lot of you will enjoy. It's called Avocat and His Guac Rocket. It's about an apathetic cat uh, that kind of just watches the world burn around him. And I feel like, you know, the millennials... And not just millennials. Well, actually, you know, the kids that come after the millennials, whatever they're called, Gen something or other, um, might be slightly more posy uh, than <laughs> millennials. But yeah, if you're a millennial and you like avos and you like cats, well, you're probably going to like avocats and his guac rocket. And if you're just a little bit cynical in general, um, it's uh, the comic for you. She's only released one issue so far. It's a short comic uh, but it's got lots of extra things to it. it's lots and lots of little extras which makes it quite cool she's also released another comic book called the rusty bolt uh, which we chat about a little bit towards the end of the podcast and i actually make a mistake i mentioned like cyberpunk when i mean steampunk uh, but uh, yeah she she explains what the comic is about i'm not going to ruin it for you but i just thought i'd mention that i made also made another mistake what was it um Oh yeah, like uh, in the in this one, I mention um, Chuck Law when I mean Chuck Jones, which is a big, big, big difference. Uh, Chuck Law is a sitcom creator, um, which you know, obviously that's why his name's in my head there. Uh, but Chuck Jones was the dude who created a lot of cool cartoons back in the day, and I mention that because there's this really cool podcast called The Rule of Three, and they had Phil Jupiter's on it. And he mentioned Chuck Jones. Well, the whole thing is about Chuck Jones. So go check that out. Uh, but Tasman and I do chat about that in the podcast. So yeah, I made I made a few mistakes. But you know what? It's called the Almost Perfect Podcast. So I get to get away with them. Um, yeah, but this is a really cool conversation. I really I enjoy getting to know Tasman. Because I've kind of known her a little bit. Like from the outskirts, you know, we've chatted when we're out. And I see her at the cons and stuff like that. And... You know, we've interacted quite a lot and I dig her work. Uh, I dig her work so much that I hired her to do the artwork for the Heat City Comedy Festival, actually. Uh, she did all the design work for the Heat City Comedy Festival and I loved it. We got a lot of compliments about it and I was really stoked about it in general. But yeah, like, you know, Tasman's work is just phenomenal. She's really, really good at what she does. And I figured, you know, it'd be cool to get to know her. It'd be cool to get to see who the person is behind the stuff. And it turns out, you know, she's a wonderful weirdo. And I love that, that we get like so many cool, like weird people on this podcast who grow up, you know, she grew up like a lot of us, I think, I think a lot of us, uh, judging by the people who hit me up uh, in the DMs and stuff, you know, grew up a bit of an outcast and found, found herself through her art, you know, found herself through her imagination and her creativity and nowadays that's you know her life that's her career she gets to create things and she gets to draw and she gets to yeah like it's a it's a really cool conversation about a lot of different things about 
yeah, like about getting to do the things that you want to do, but also having to balance the work life thing. You know, you guys, you guys know all about that. The stuff that you want to do versus the stuff that you have to do for money. And yeah, even stuff like Avocat versus Rusty Bolt is an interesting uh, dynamic because, you know, Tasman's aware that there's meme potential with something like, you know, Avocat and his Guac Rockets. She knows that there's, you know, that hits into the pop culture zeitgeist quite nicely, whereas her other project, Rusty Bolt, not necessarily as much, whilst it is super dope as well. I actually got that comic a while ago now, and I've just got an Avocat, and they're both phenomenal, so... I'm like, yeah, I'm a big fan of Tasman's work and I'm looking forward to seeing how she grows like, and how her career grows, how her work grows, how she gets out there more. Uh, we get into the con life, into what it's like as a creator here in South Africa, you know, selling your work at Comic-Cons, not just, you know, the Comic-Con, but FanCon, Icon, and all the various cons that are around South Africa. We also talk about how it's all grown, you know, like how... There weren't any of these things when we were growing up. And now there's lots of cool ways to interact with the art and like for artists themselves to actually exhibit and to be seen and to, you know, sell their work. There's a big self-publishing community in the comic, you know, world in South Africa. And so, yeah, those are all the kinds of things that we get into on this podcast. I'm sure you're going to enjoy that quite a lot. Um... Yeah, Comic-Con was absolutely dope. I picked up a few local comic books and I'm going to try and, you know, as time goes on and get in touch with the different creators, I picked up a lot of different business cards and that. And, you know, it just it's something that interests me, man. I'm, a, I'm super into comics and just nerd culture in general. And I feel like, you know, that's not really tapped into in podcasts in South Africa that much. Uh, not quite the way I do it, I guess. And so I'm going to definitely try and get different kinds of artists as well as, you know, the musicians and actors and all, you know, you know what this podcast is about. It's not just about one type of thing. So I want to try and cater to as many different people as possible. And these are the things that I really, you know, get a kick out of. I really enjoy chatting about these things. I really enjoy, yeah, just discussing Batman and the Joker endlessly because uh, it's something that's come up a few times before on this podcast. Um, I want to give a big shout out, a big shout out, we've got a new patron on the Patreon, uh, Alex Bailovich, 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 I'm going to go with Bailovich, yes, Alex Bailovich, uh, shout outs to you man, thank you for signing up to the Patreon account, last week I gave a little plea, I asked the peeps out there, I was like, yo, I need to get this other microphone fixed, and I really fucking do, uh, but we'll get there, we'll get there, and you know, you guys can help me do that by signing on to the Patreon account. We're also doing a giveaway this month. Last month we did a 250 Rand voucher to HQ Gaming. This month I'm giving away uh, the... No, not the Rusty Bolt. I'm giving away a copy of Avocat and his Guac Rocket. And also one of Luke Mulver's comics. I'm giving away one of his Sunday Slave comic books. And I think also there'll be a bunch of little stickers and extra things from the two of them uh, to be given away to patrons, but not just to patrons, to people who also help me out by going over to the iTunes slash Apple podcast, whichever one you want to go to, because apparently they're two different things, some fucking how, um, but yeah, you can go over to those, and you just need to leave a comment, that's all you need to do, any comment, and then you screenshot that, and you send that to me, either via the social medias, or you can do it via the email, uh, almostperfectpod at gmail.com, 
you can also go almost underscore podcast at Twitter. Uh, Facebook is the Almost Perfect Podcast. And I am on Instagram and I'm doing a thing, blah, 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 blah. If you've listened to the podcast, you know that there's no content on it at the moment, but there will eventually be content there. But you can get in touch with me there. Uh, so that's Almost Perfect Podcast there. So yeah, go to iTunes or Apple thing, leave a review, take a screenshot, send that to me. There we go. You're entered into the podcast. Alternative incident to the podcast. No, your incident to the competition. Alternatively, just sign up to the Patreon. Just give me your money, yo. Give me that money, money. And uh, yeah, you'll be able to get into that competition just without, without doing anything. Plus, you'll be able to suggest guests. You'll be able to ask guests questions and uh, just get involved in the podcast in the behind the scenes thing. You'll get to know about different guests ahead of time sometimes. And sometimes you won't. Uh, sometimes I kind of, you know, like things happen, you know, not last minute, but last minute-ish. And so I don't always get that on the Patreon. But I am going to also try to think of other ways um, to, you know, make cool things for the Patreon accounts, make it work in that. And I know I chat about it a lot on here at the moment because obviously that's a thing I'm trying to grow so that I can make this thing more of a job um, than it is at the moment because at the moment it's side project territory and I don't want it to be side project territory I want it to be main project territory and you can help me do that so if you dig the podcast go on over to the patreon account and how's this for an incentive when we get to 20 patrons I won't mention the patreon account for at least a month an entire month okay 31 days doesn't matter which month we're going with 31 days uh, from the time that, uh, yeah, we get to 20 patrons on the Patreon account, uh, then I'm never, not never, no, not never, uh, that's not going to sustain me, but uh, then I'm not going to mention the Patreon for at least a month. Sound like a good thing? I think that would be a good thing uh, for all of us involved. So yeah, other than that, <laughs> other than me trying to hit you up for money, um, I feel feel a bit like a carny here. So yeah, that's that. That's everything you need to know for now about the Almost Perfect Podcast. You'll also see at the moment, I am actually a little bit more active on the social media side of things uh, when it comes to the Almost Perfect Podcast. So you can hit me up there. You can send us stuff, um, you know, tag the podcast, share the podcast. Let me know that you're sharing it and then I can share you. And then, you know, like we're like, can just, I don't know how the thing works on Twitter anymore. Like, I don't know if retweeting people matters, if it's a incentive or something. But, you know, you can tag me on things and I might retweet it. And, yeah, I would also just appreciate if you share the podcast. Because that's all the promo stuff out the way. That's all the, you know, introductory stuff out the way. Uh, I guess it's time for us now to get to know Tasman Nadu. In her own words, here it comes. It's the almost perfect podcast with Tasman Nadu. So how are you living, Tasman? I'm good. How are you, Bob? I'm pretty good. Um, it's been... It's been a cool week. I've been, I've actually been looking forward to this chat because I don't actually really know you that well. We've hung out a bit over the years, you know, out at the pub and that, but it's always like, yeah, like at the pub over a few drinks, just talking about like... Oh, very few drinks. Well, well, a lot of drinks, actually. Yeah, very few. <laughs> like many, many few drinks. Um, yeah, it's, it's always been quite fun. I've always been... You know, I like your opinions, I like your vibe, I like your work, so... Thank you. I'm stoked to finally get you here. Um, recently, you were at Comic-Con. 
Yes, I I chose not to. It was a little bit of a mistake on my part, but uh, I didn't get my own stall. But um, I just like kind of had a little bit of Luke's. I convinced him to let me put myself on his table, <laughs> <laughs> which was cool. Um, Luke Malva. Luke Malva, yes, my partner, my partner in crime and comics. Um, and yeah, it was a great, great con. I really enjoyed it. Um, Did you do last year's comic con? I did, but last year I also just helped him. I didn't have any of my stuff available, um, but he was in like a lot of panels. I assumed he was going to be in more panels this time too. So, um, and it's just like really, it's a bit difficult to try to like go for a panel and then you're stressed about your school. So I was like, don't worry, dude, I got you. This year there weren't as many panels with local guys. um, So he was at the stall like as much as I was. So that's also a guess. There's more local guys, you know, to rotate essentially yeah. over the years. Oh yeah, absolutely. But how did you find this year's con in comparison to last year's con? Um, I think there were like a lot of things that they had improved. Like I know that it's small things, but like the um, the artists' exhibitor badges. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they weren't completely useless and didn't like break as soon as you tried to put them on. Um, and also the venue is amazing um, compared to last year. Yeah, that's lot... the one thing I heard from everyone that the venue was. Yeah, the was... venue was really awful last year. It was at Kailami Racecourse and it was just really spread out and, you know, disastrous. And the, the artist alley was in this big, like, tent and oh, it was, like, God. really so, yeah, windy. Wind. Yeah. It felt like it was going to just blow away uh, <laughs> and it was hot and stuff, but... Yeah, this year was really, really great. It was like a lot bigger and there were so many more people and it was just insane. But it was like in the best possible way. The one thing I think was the food. The food was awful. I don't know if you ever had any of that food, but it was just... I had the chicken wrap, which was pretty decent. You were chicken wraps? Oh. Well, it depends on where you... There were multiple food sections. There was also a pizza section. Oh, Did you yeah. not... The pizzas, like, the, I got so sick from that pizza. Like oh. Okay, I, I had one slice of pizza at the one place. It was pretty decent. But my trick, because of all the lines, was I just left the venue and went to the restaurant like outside. Because there was, the... was the cafe like just across the road. They had like dope breakfast stuff and like coffee. And then oh, there was what? like an Indian like, food place like down the road, so some of us walked down there. Yeah. Okay, well that's definitely what I'm gonna be doing next year, because <laughs> eventually we just like brought our own food, or we like went out for dinner afterwards. But yeah. Yeah, for me, like the lines were definitely not a good time. Like yeah. I'm not about that laugh. Like I hate yeah. that. That's why the like I would recommend if anyone's gonna go to Comic Con next year, go on the last day. The last day is the best day, unless you want to see, like, the biggest names on the stage yeah. and stuff. The last day is the most chilled, because you can also take your time to, like, look at everything, and, like, you know, you're not, like, rushed from stall to stall. Like, yeah, you just have more time for everything. Yeah, it's such a dope vibe, and also, yeah. like, from a consumer so standpoint, um, there's also a lot of discounts and stuff, because people yeah, don't oh, yeah. necessarily want to take all their stock back home with them, oh, like, yeah. all yeah. the creators and stuff. So, yeah, you can get some really good specials and really good deals. Like, yeah, so. absolutely. Some good deals from both the, the local creators and also, like, some of the bigger, like, merch stores. Like, they have these crazy sales on, like, a bunch of their things, ranging from plush, plushies to comics. Like, it's pretty cool. 
There's also like a cool like as a creator, you guys like trade a lot of stuff. Yeah, on the last day we all like um, trade because like essentially if you've got a a comic that's a similar price to someone else, and we try to like all have the same same kind of price range for our stuff. Especially for local stuff. For yeah. local stuff, yeah, which is all self produced and self published and stuff. Um, so on the last day we all just kind of go and like sign each other's comics and like you know it's kind of like the end the last day of, of school. Yeah. <laughs> you know and, like you you like trading comics and artworks and it's really lovely. Yeah. <laughs> so like a cool camaraderie builds over the course of the oh, weekend. Oh yeah I mean like you get to know people uh, well one like we talked about a bit earlier like one side of uh, these people and like they become like your convention family because you've you've been sitting with them and sweating with them and like you know covering each other's stalls covering each other's stalls and moaning or like laughing with or like sleeping under the tables and you know with all these people so yeah you do form really strong bonds that kind of carries to the next cons as you go along (laughs) and you get to see like different people at each con and that's it but like this was this the biggest con you guys have ever done um um yeah in terms of comics like i went to i was privileged enough to go to defcon in las vegas a couple years ago so that was like the biggest con i've ever been to but this in terms of comics yes absolutely and so into the south africa and south africa yeah it's amazing how big it was did it surprise you like that yeah like something because it surprised the fuck out of me (laughs) like to see that many people there (laughs) Like, genuinely, on the first day, there were, like, over 60,000 people there. And I was like, there's no way they're going to pull 60,000 people. I mean, you know, big bands don't even pull like that. Like, you know, big artists. Kaspan Jovest, you know, like, struggled, like, to pull 60,000 people. <laughs> so, yeah, like, I was, like, I was quite surprised that there were that many people who were into this, like, kind of thing. So did it surprise you at all? Um, I guess I was a little bit more prepared because I'd been to the first one. It wasn't and, as and, big. Yeah, and I mean, like, they sold out a few d- of the days in, on the last year's event as well. So I, I did kind of expect it to be that big, but, like, it was. it's still, like, it, you, nothing really prepares you to see that many people, like, walls of people just kind <laughs> of, like, passing... Passing you by. Do you feel like you're in a bit of a fishbowl like situation? Yes, absolutely. Or like a in the middle of like some sort of zombie horde and people are like Rargh, everything. <laughs> oh man, like you must get like actually since you've done quite a few cons now, do you know when someone's gonna buy something or when they're not? Like no, you... it's really frustrating actually <laughs> because sometimes you get well you we've we actually like the the one girl. At FanCon, actually had a a FanCon um, bingo, <laughs> and she had like various things. So the one Ooh, was people like, say, "I'm coming back later." Yeah, like I'm coming back later, or people um, never believe me when I say that. And then I do come back later. They're always surprised. Because we always hear that, and you're like, oh, "Okay, yeah, I'm never gonna see that guy again." Yeah, I mean, sometimes <laughs> some of you are gonna see me again later, but some of you are because I'm doing calculations. It, it is like, like it's better than like you know, like the certain people also like come in like read your entire comic and then leave <laughs> say thank you and then leave and and they don't buy anything and that that for me is like way worse it's etiquette kind of like than, stealing like in yeah a it way. is it is like a friend of mine actually um sent tape the, the last few pages of his comic shut so that people could and had a little sign there saying if you want to read anymore you gotta buy it yeah 
That's because you don't want to be rude, I guess. Like you don't want to just say to someone like, "Hey, can you stop reading my comic book?" Like, yeah, I mean, like my comic is also only six pages long, so you know. <laughs> but you've got a lot of yeah for the story, of course. But there's a lot of other visual elements that like. Yeah, <laughs> well, with Evercat, like I kind of, um, I kind of marketed it as a zine slash like adventure book slash art book sort of amalgamation of all those things so there's like a lot of art a lot of like little puzzles and like you know um mystery things that i've hidden in there and a lot of like little um prompts that i've kind of dropped in that i'm going to carry on with the next issues but i'm definitely not going to be printing it um in the same format it's probably going to be a bit longer with like okay. a more more of a st- uh, story arc um which i've already started Doing. But like, you, I mean, how come this one is so short? And then, did you do the extra stuff just to fill the pages, or do you enjoy like that kind of thing of making the product like a zine, like making it more I, of that I than really, just a comic? I really did like the the element of making it like a zine, and also like I really love drawing um, locations and stuff. I I like to draw places that I'd actually like to go and like dive into looking at your website i can kind of see that (laughs) so like i um i wanted to create something and i also i didn't really know where i was going with with avocat avocat started off as a four panel like kind of very pessimistic kind of little (laughs) comic um and it grew in popularity i'm pretty sure because of the name avocat and his guac rocket um, yeah, pretty good name, and also <laughs> like you got some skills. You can you can draw, <laughs> but like yeah. So I think like it it kind of like I had to do something like this first book, so that I could go on further because I had to get all the stuff out of my mind and kind of figure out the world, and now I feel comfortable with like doing a longer form for narrative, you know. Yeah, so what is the world? Like, it's not just Avocat destroying everything anymore. Like, no, actually, Avocat's never actually destroyed anything. He's, he's well, he kind saved of just, all... I, I saw the fire... Oh, he's in, he was ambivalent. That yes, was the that's, thing. He that's didn't save anyone. Thing. That was yeah. it. The, but the world was on fire. The world was on fire, and he was like, you know what? Sometimes you gotta let things happen this way. <laughs> I take it you're in quite an apathetic uh, stage of your life when you came up with that. Or... Yeah, um, I'm actually, I, I, I really, I really do like pessimism. Um, but are you pessimistic? I don't think so. I, I like, I, I kind of, I think, I think it's, it's a very interesting philosophy. Like, I'm, I'm a huge fan of like um, Tom Ligotti, and you know. I don't like Tom Ligotti. I don't think. He was um, who. Uh, have you watched True Detective? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. You know Rust Cole. His whole like okay. kind of vibe was based on like the writings of Tom Ligotti and a few few other people like. I probably wouldn't like know his stuff. He's yeah. written this brilliant book called uh, "The Conspiracy Against the Human Race," and okay, um, that does you, sound familiar. You can download it, and it's basically it just talks about how you know. Consciousness is actually a really shit thing to happen to us. I agree one hundred percent. Yeah, like, you would actually love this book then. Like, yeah, it's a, I'll I'll send you. Um, yeah, no, like I don't want to have kids because I feel like oh yes, putting consciousness a lot of that onto like another human being is just like 
a really fucked up thing. <laughs> like, yeah. Well, I guess I also got that vibe from your comedy show. You lost your solo. <laughs> so. The end of the world. Yeah, like, well, that, that's not so much the consciousness. That's just so much the experience. But <laughs> even just the, the moral question of like, you know, should we create another conscious being? Like, it's a big one, man, because you don't know what that person's going to go through. Essentially, like, <coughs> my understanding Excuse of, me. like, life, and it, it, it's mostly suffering. I mean, like, unless you're really, really privileged and, like, I don't know, you've just been born in, like... I don't know really if it's mostly suffering. I mean, then you're saying mundane is just suffering. Like, I think it's mostly boring with suffering. Like, <laughs> There's boring. a lot of suffering, I think. There's a lot of suffering. I mean, like, even... But I think people, how, even how people you... are suffering, don't like, unless, like, there is suffering from true poverty and, like, suffering true suffering a lot of people who we might consider to be suffering are actually like sometimes you know mentally like happier than like the middle classes so that's true but like in my mind it's like it's it's more difficult for me to be consistently happy than it is to be just like you know gripped with this like oh but what is it all for (laughs) you know like why would anyone want to procreate? Why would anyone want to actually exist now? Like, when you look around at, like, all the things that are going on and you're like, oh, everything like, sucks, man. Th- that's a weird thing. Like, I'm, like, I feel like being a kid at this time is, like, a double-edged sword. Yeah. Because you're, like, you've got all the best toys. All, all the, the best, best toys. Games, technology, <laughs> everything. Like, you got VR, man. Like, you are, like, you're growing up with, like, virtual reality games. Like, that is awesome. That was my dream as a kid. But also, you might not live past 50. Yeah, like, exactly. But I also, mean, I mean, I might not live past 50, so who knows? These are the things that we that plague me. Well, they don't really plague me anymore. They plague Agrab Avocat a little yeah. bit. Yeah, I think I channel it all into Avocat and let him deal with it because he's more equipped and he's more, you know. He's a little bit of a bastard though. He's a bit, uh, avocat yeah. to he, yeah. Yes, yeah. Um, he's actually based on my cat. Salem. I would assume so. Yes. My little buddy. He's been with me for six years, and he is. Salem's gotten some shoutouts in oh, yes. comic books. And yes, yes. Yes. I I I tend to um, dedicate most of my work to Salem because <laughs> <laughs> he's been my little like companion, you know. Like, uh, and I love him. He's like the closest thing to a child I'd ever have. That's been like the biggest like hardest thing about like moving here because i've like my cats moved in with my mom like because yeah. couldn't Loki, take cats right? Loki, yeah uh, and like as a freelancer who lives alone and works at home that's tasman by the sorry, way sorry no don't even don't even apologize <laughs> just i'm just i'm just giving the day, i'm right? just giving the context for people <laughs> it ain't me uh, no but like that's literally one of the things that like has been difficult is just like not having Loki around. Like, yeah. And Loki's a little bastard. Like not a not a great cat. Like <laughs> like I love her, but like you know She's other people. Yeah, yeah, not even just a bit, just complete and utter. Like, but that's <laughs> you know her vibe. Like and that's cool. Like I like I respect it. 
But just having her around was so nice, you know, yeah. just having a cat to talk Someone to. Someone to come home to, even though I live with Luke too, but like, you know, like, Salem's always there to like, you know, just I'll argue with you. Not, not no. fuck up your vibe, like. Well, <laughs> or Salem actually. kind of fucks my vibe up because like, <laughs> if he's like trying to play with me, I think he also thinks of me as his like playmate because I got him when he was only six, um, like three weeks old. So I don't think he really associates me with being his mom, more like his playmate than... And you're also probably not very assertive with him, are you? Mm, Well, I tried to be, but he's so cute. (laughs) He's going to look at those little bean toes. So Uh, he'll, like, come and tackle me, and he plays like... He's a huge cat. He is, like... He's, like... He scares dogs away. Like, you know, he's huge. He's huge, and he shrieks if he's not happy, and... He like tackles me down and like, you know, I've got scars all over my body from my little sweet so, boy. So you've channeled you've channeled all of this into a comic book. Yeah. Avocat and a squawk rocket. So why Avos? Why why like oh, like are you Avos? just a big fan of Avos or were you Not like even really. were you like pop culture? Like, this is gonna, like... I don't know. I think it might have been, like, okay, well, this this would, like, sell a lot of... Because people like cats and people oh, like wow, cats. so it was fully corporate. Well, no, no, no. Well, part of it. And also, <laughs> like, at the time, I, I found this the most perfect ever. And you know when you find oh, yes. that ever? And I lifted it up in the air, and my cat happened to be, like, you know, kind of sitting, like, just in the room... And it just looked like and a And it just looked like it would work together. But I mean, there, there have also been like lots of iterations of Evo, uh, cats sitting in Evos all over the internet. So really? It's not, yeah, there's like tons yeah. of little... Like, it's a thing. I didn't know it was a thing. But so. there's no other... Quack Rocket? Quack Rocket, yeah. Which so. is what Avocat travels Earth in for now. Well, or? he travels um, all over the the universe, and does you'll, he? you yeah, he does. I haven't so. yet. Um, you've gifted me with uh, your your full comic now, so I'm pretty keen because I've only really seen the stuff that you've got online, and then a few things like uh, when like at the different cons, like yeah. I'll see what you've like put out, and so I've got an understanding of the universe a little bit. Well, it's it's kind of it's grown into something like that. Um, because I really like adventure and like you know I'm also a huge horror fan, but like adventure like there's no with real my horror art. In there. <laughs> well, there there will be. Um, I'm Ooh, trying to write some stuff in. Are we doing a horror a horror avocats? Yes, that might be coming next, but like that sounds uh, <laughs> awesome. But um, you know, there's almost like an Indiana Jones. Yeah, kind that's of type. very much what I feel. Yeah, like. so there's a lot of like you know exploring and like figuring things out and that's what Avocat and his companion uh crate cat who's based on another cat i know <laughs> called tigger <laughs> and they're like crazy adventures my plan is to like actually put all of our animals that we have like in my comic i don't want to have any people because i don't like people so that makes sense <laughs> and how things been going in terms of like Avocat and squawk rocket has it like, you know, are sales ever yeah. increasing or like, how is the whole, like, you know, having to sell your, your comic books, like at a, like a con kind of thing? Like, at a con, they do really well. I think, um, like, you know, they, people see this ridiculous, absurd kind of comic and they're like, 
okay, I didn't know comics could do that. Yeah, I guess. You know, and then, like, they pick it up, and it's, like, it's very, it it makes people smile, but there's also this, like, darker kind of undertone to my work that, you know, you could pick up, or you, you know. So, is there any Garfield, like, involved in that workout? No, 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 no. I wouldn't say Garfield. I guess, like, in in some way, like... It's quite cynical, but not quite, not quite as quippy. Yeah. Like, Garfield is also, like, you must remember, confined to about four panels. Of course, but, like, you know, Garfield's four panels, four panels, four panels, like, over a long period. He's got a lot of, like, condensed cynicalism. Yeah, whereas Abacata gets to be spread out over yeah. a whole, like, six so, pages, I guess. So okay. I guess Garfield, Garfield does, in some way, he probably does inform me in some subconscious Like, you know... You, Ab- how could it not? Abo is Abocat's lasagna, essentially. Oh, yes, there's a food element. Yeah, okay, I like that. <laughs> uh, but how did you get into all of this? How did you, yeah, how did you get into creating comics? How did you... Because you were telling me, like, just now you studied fine art... Like, so how do you go from studying, you know, fine arts? Was it always a thing you were into? Like, you've always loved comics and that's why you got into studying fine art? Or Well, I'd have to go back into my past, if you don't mind. Well, we can, we can do that. That's kind of a bit of a thing that we do here okay. on the podcast. So, so I was born in Pietermaritzburg and, and when I'm I was sorry. about... Two, I, I know, thank you. <laughs> when I was about two, my family moved to Greytown. Um, oh, cool. So I actually grew up in Greytown. I'm a country gal. Yeah, great. Um, I used to go to school in Wartburg, so... No way! Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I went to boarding school there when I was young. Oh, so. that's crazy. I, I went to Hermansburg. Okay, that's right there as <laughs> I well. I had no yeah. idea. Crazy. But, um, so I grew up in, in Greytown and I was always like, I you know, I, I've always loved cartoons and I loved drawing and, you know, I had a grandfather who is an artist um, okay. A carpenter, but on, also an artist. Like he used to paint the back of buses. You know, like those ridiculous oh, yes. tigers and yes. sunsets and stuff. He used to do that sort of thing. That's so dope. He was like quite a Renaissance man, and he was quite eccentric. So he'd like, you know, pitch up at our house with like a box of chicks, like all these little baby chicks, or like <laughs> okay. a guinea pig. We just like we'd always have animals in our house, and we actually had quite a, a fairy tale upbringing because we were like you know these barefoot wild-haired kids like always rescuing birds and nursing them back to health or like playing with mm-hmm. chameleons that in the sounds garden. like a great town existence yeah it was amazing and um yeah but i was always like kind of weird person even back then like i used to <laughs> even read, by those standards even by those standards i used to read a lot so like i was constantly oh, yeah. that's that's big weird when you're young <laughs> yeah. i'd read so much that like sometimes i'd get into trouble with my parents because we'd be on holiday or something and they'd be like can you please stop reading and join in with the family but those worlds like that's the thing like you're in like when especially when you're young and you're reading like you're in like a whole new universe a whole new world and it's so much better than like your your own family like other people's families in books are so much either cooler or worse and like it's like you know the fact that you know you can go and like fly up into the clouds with the dragon king or whatever like i mean so but yeah my my parents were actually strangely enough for an indian 
kind of conservative family. Well, they're not actually that conservative. But I'm sure they would have done cards of the reading. They they did, uh, just but not the material. Like, they they were a bit concerned about me with regards to me socializing. Okay. Um, okay. I, I was I wasn't a very social person like from a very early age. I had friends, but it was like you know. And as I grew up, I found it even more difficult. And when we moved to Durban, it was even worse because all of a sudden, because you're an outsider from Maritzburg and like well, from Greytown, oh, even yeah. worse. <laughs> and then like I come in like a, I'm trying to integrate into a school like Durban Girls College. Oh wow! Which was excruciating. It was like awful. Because college is such a like just mainstream fucking like not even mainstream like it's upper class like hoity-toitery, like, yeah. bullshit. Like, I mean, like, coming from a per- person who used to spend almost every weekend <laughs> on, like, farms and, like, catching comedians and whatever, uh, to come and, like, you know, be belittled for not knowing what Gucci is or a GHD or whatever, like, yeah. you know, it was, it was, like, a huge shock and it, it sent me down into a very dark space because I battled, I battled a lot with, Trying to make friends and trying to like actually find my place in the world. But like, did you feel like at least you had you know books to go to? Oh yeah, yeah, books and my art and like I'm I'm really grateful so for my art department. And drawing books. from a young age. Oh yeah, since I was a kid. Like I mean, I remember my grandfather even trying to teach me maths, like simple <laughs> maths, and like all I do is like make all the numbers into little characters. Instead of actually doing the sums. See, like, I was good at maths, and I wish, like, I would, like, I've never been good at, like, visual arts. Like, I can take a photo, but, like, everything else, I'm just, like, not, like, don't have the, the hand, like, the hand-eye coordination. No. To do it. It's, it's practice. It's... It is practice, and it's, it's like a muscle. So, I mean, like, any creative thing is like a muscle. You just have to be interested in it in enough, enough to do it. To and do it and to exercise yeah. that muscle. So, I guess, like, I just, I wish I had the ability, but I don't want to put in the work. So. <laughs> yeah. Well, see, there's, there, there it is. I, I think, like, that was my escapism from, like, you know, being quite socially weird, and I guess I'm still a bit socially weird, and... You know, not being able to fit in anywhere ever and always feeling like an imposter. Like, drawing was definitely, like, my kind of... Like, I, I was, I'd was, i always think, at least I can go home and draw. Yeah. You know, at least if, if, if people are bullying me or whatever, at least I could go home and draw. Or at least I could, like, go and read this book that they haven't even begun to comprehend. So... Yeah, like, reading for me was definitely, like, my escape in a big way when I was mm. younger, because I was bullied a lot as well at school, and, like, I became a library monitor. Oh, wow, and, like, that's cool. Yeah, so it was a cool escape from, like, just everyone. <laughs> I yeah. could just go chill in the library at breaks. And, like, yes, I did very similar things. <laughs> yeah, like, and, yeah, it was dope to, A, just, you know, have that space, and B, like, just have these different worlds and have these, like cool like you learn so much like yeah. without ever you know leaving the house essentially yeah. like that's what i love about like comic books it's what i love about book books it's mm. what i love about just sharing of worlds you know like we're mm. sharing that creative experience and like it's also though from the other side from a creator like side 
how, do you ever like think about the impact your work will have like on people I do but yeah like I, I guess like in this day and age there is like a bit of and I don't know if I'm gonna get in trouble for this but like there's Same a little thing. bit of uh, um, there's a, a kind of like unsaid um, pressure on me to reference the fact that I'm female and I'm a person of color and I'm uh, into comics but like you know I've always existed on the fringe I've never really been part of any like social group so I don't really I think it would be very like in, even in the authentic. POC even the female yeah, yeah. Like, thing like you don't want to be like it, I think it would be very inauthentic if I had to suddenly just start talking about that so my work definitely just talks about the fringelings as I like to call it <laughs> like the people that are like kind of left out of the you know main stuff and they just do their own thing because that's what we do um, so yeah I, I do think a lot about my impact and I hope that you know my work actually just is inspirational to young people to know that they can actually make whatever the hell they want to make and that's okay you know I feel you. See, I was thinking more just like the the other side of things with actual like content. Oh. Like, <laughs> sorry. No, no, like, you know, like, you know, because the Joker films just come out, so I haven't seen it yet. But, you know, everyone, well, not everyone, like, people are like, it's the best movie ever. Other people are like, how can this movie be made? And so there's just this big debate at the moment about, you know, art. I mean, there has been for the last few years, I guess about, you know, what's art's actual impact and how much responsibility does the artist have for the impact of their art. So I was just wondering what your I, thoughts I think that, that if you don't, if, if you, like the Joker movie, I haven't watched it either, but honestly... I'm keen to. <laughs> I, me too. I, I think it looks amazing and I'm very excited for it. And it reminds me a bit of the Alan Moore um, book called The Killing Joke. Yeah, which was, a which was bit, fucking... Dark. Dark as shit. But, but I like, enjoyed it. But, like, the thing is, like, you know, a, a, <clears throat> a character like the Joker is in public... In, it is in the collective consciousness. We know about Joker. We know what he's all about. Um, this is, like, a character study. It's not an aspirational movie of what you should or should not do. And I think, like, that annoys me because, like, you know, people should be able to make that distinction. And to say, okay, well, they, they, this is this is a beautiful story. It's not like black and white. This is right and this is wrong. It's like there's so many gray areas to it, and that's okay. And but do you think people are losing the fact that that's what art is? <laughs> like, or that's I think so, de- definitely. I mean, even the fact that we're having this debate, then it like, or I think the director of the. Yeah, yeah, actually, I think I can disagree with some of the shit he's been saying lately, but well, he I, I don't know what he's been saying, but like just as about a purely word culture, just... meaning that he can't tell jokes anymore, essentially. Oh, okay, well, yeah, okay, that's slightly problematic, but it doesn't necessarily mean that you can't make like a great know, film, a great film, and a you great. You could say stuff I disagree with, and I can still enjoy your work. Yeah, like... exactly, and I mean, like he did say something about how we all kind of worship John Wick, who's also a very similar kind of character. He's, oh, like, yeah. been, like, you know, gone through his traumas and blah, 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 but he just, like, literally... He's got three movies where he's just, like, literally going around killing people. 
Yeah, just the way he's framed is as, you know, a vigilante good guy. Yeah. Like, exactly. he, he's the Batman, essentially. Yeah, exactly. Like, so my, it's, it's. But whereas the Joker, as a character, like, I think, I, I mean, I haven't seen the movie, so I can't comment really, but, like, I think it might be a bit different than the way it's always been, and that the Joker's always just been the, you know, the funhouse mirror of mm. Batman. Yeah, yeah. Like, Very it's just so. saying they're the same guy. Yeah. Like, that's always been the criticism. That's always been yeah. the thing that they've always said with the Joker is... Yeah. Batman is just the guy who's doing the same thing as a good guy. Like, essentially. Because if you actually break it down, Batman is a really psychologist... <laughs> like, I mean, it's a... it's He is a nutcase. He's a like, psychopath. He is a psychopath. Like, like, he goes around like, okay, granted, he doesn't kill people. But he well, still... it depends on... Well, the early iterations of Batman, I guess, he used to carry a gun. And... But, like, the later but, iterations... But it's also, I mean, do. even just the movies, like, you know, like, stuff that he does definitely kills people. <laughs> <laughs> True. There's, de- there's definitely... <laughs> there's but, I mean, de- like, he's still, like, this multi-millionaire who's decided to put his money towards donning the suit and... Space travel, even like in the Justice League, like in the okay, comics yeah, and stuff. The like the dude, like builds the dude builds like a whole like space like <laughs> thing, and it's just like, yeah, this is uh, you know, this is just our thing up here. Like we could just chill up here, at, like in orbit, no stress, because I'm a billionaire. Like we finally, how's this money? That's just the thing with Bruce Wayne. How is all this money being kept off the fucking books? I don't all know. The, all this bad technology is somehow the dude's like. I yeah, don't know. mad. There must be some mad tax issues there. He's no, grabbing. well, not in in, in the states. They kind of uh, let those things he's, slide. He's in the Cayman <laughs> Islands. Yeah, that would be that would be an interesting Batman book. The Actually, finances they do. of Batman. <laughs> <laughs> that would, that would I would definitely read that. <laughs> <laughs> there, um, there is actually a um, a comic that came out, I think, in the last two years or something, about how um, they've switched the roles completely. So Batman, as a white privileged millionaire, um, is actually the bad guy, and the Joker is actually as a working the good class guy, hero. As a working class hero, which I'm, I haven't read it yet, um, but I mean, and I that- don't. That's why I get Joker as, like, a problematic character and that, like, too many people, like, relate to him as, like, a bad guy. Like, you know, like, he's never been an anti-hero. Like, he's not an anti-hero. He's just a villain. He's a villain. Just a straight-up villain. But he's also, like, he's got those cartoonish kind of elements, but he's also got those sympathetic... It's like, I don't know if you've ever watched Star Trek uh, Deep Space Nine. Um, I I don't know if I have. But there's this brilliant character. I can't remember which Star um, Trek I've seen. Like, yeah, it used to be on SABC yeah. like back in the day. But there's this brilliant character called Dukat. Um, he's a Kardashian. And... Uh, <laughs> Kardashian? Kardashian? I always get this wrong. <laughs> well, either one works. Um, which is like this reptilian kind of race. Yeah. And um, their planet kind of um, occupied another planet called Bajor. In a kind of like uh, Palestinian Israeli slash Holocaust kind of, uh, you know. And he is a great villain because he does not think that he is a villain. Yeah. He thinks that what he is thinking and his, his like 
ideology is right. I mean, that's kind of been what Marvel's done with Black Panther and then also... Oh, with, yeah, I guess. I, I only just watched Black Panther. I need to still... I, I don't really know much about superhero stuff, so bear with me here. <laughs> we'll get into that, actually, just now. That, that's pretty cool. Um, but yeah, like Black Panther and even Thanos, you know. Well, like, actually, um, Killmonger, Luke even said this, yeah. and he... he, he actually thinks that Killmonger is quite a sympathetic and cool character like yeah he is like he, he wanted to give all that power to the world so that am I getting this right to a degree um but at the same time like well that was the what he said but the okay, yeah, at the same time know. the way people enact things and the actual um consequences of their actions are also yeah. like his motivations to a degree were partially like noble. excusable okay. <laughs> like noble to uh, not, I don't know if noble is correct but excusable excusable let's is, go with excusable is definitely there but yeah like I mean it critiqued a lot of you know the Black Panther well not the Wakanda way of life and everything and yeah. like you know he had good points it's the same thing as like Thanos to a degree but it's like if you're like looking at like I don't know people will like obsess over Thanos these days as like this ultimate villain and like you know he was so considered and listen it's like no he's a fucking idiot like, I don't know. I, I haven't. I haven't sorry, watched, you haven't I'm seen sorry. it. That's totally but, like, fine. I, I am going to watch all the. I've watched, I think, the first Avenger movie. So, like, I just did the it's thing that I'm gonna. It's a beautiful movie. I just did the thing that I'm gonna, like, ask you a question about. But as a comic creator, do people automatically expect you to know everything about superheroes? Yes. <laughs> Honestly, I don't. And I've never actually been, like, really into superheroes. I like the darker kind of, like,. Like well, you mentioned Killing the Joke. The Killing like. Joke. So um, I assume the Batman in general, like your Batman, Batman, Dark Knight like, stuff. Yeah, and I like uh, Neil Gaiman's writing on like Batman. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, like I, 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 I assume you enjoyed Sandman then. Yeah, Sa- I, I like Sandman. Um, I like uh, my probably my favorite comic is probably something that no one's even ever heard of. It's called uh, Like a Velvet Glove Cast in Iron. It's okay. by a guy called Dan Clowns. Klaus, sorry. <laughs> thinking about the Joker. Uh, Dan Klaus. And he's a, a resident of Oakland, California. Okay. And he is quite possibly my favorite co- com- comic artist and writer because he writes such strange comics. Like, I'll, I'll lend you this book. It's, sorry. it's so weird. But it's also got its own, like, kind of... It's, it's just like the weirdest thing I've, I've ever read and picked up and I, I just loved it so much. I've read it like every time I pick it up and read it and I, I do this routinely, I like have to stop myself from like reading it again, you know, <laughs> straight afterwards. It's one of those books, Wow. you know, so it, it really had like when I was in college um, and going back to college and schooling and stuff, um, fine art um, my school I was actually going to ask you about it just now um, McKay- I studied at Michaela's School of Fine Arts part Down of the Town, yeah. and they very, had very, very good school for people like uh, well in terms of fine art of fine art <laughs> not like, in terms of people like me like I don't know how I actually got through that school but really they did have so why why did you go to fine, for fine art Honestly, like, I really had no idea what I wanted to do after college, uh, after high school. You just knew you wanted to be artistic. I just wanted to be artistic, and I I think I had a very naive sense of what art art and being uh, being an artist was. And I kind of jumped to the first kind of thing that I 
I thought I'd enjoy. And when I went there, I realized Fun it was sucks. yeah. It 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 really really almost destroyed me. It was also really dark. My high school and my college years were like the worst years of my life because they were just so dark and like I I couldn't find my feet and sounds about right. High school was horrible for me. High school was yeah. It's and a it's a horrible children are. It's like awful people. And also, it's the school structure, and the school system and the creates like this vibe. Like, I mean, life in general creates the vibe of like, you know, like do I belong here? Like, because you know the structures are so confining. Like something like Michaela's, I can imagine for you, could be very rigid. Like, in it, even though it's not meant to be, like other people might find it's like this cool place where they learn absolutely. to express themselves. Absolutely, some people thrived. I just, I, I just wasn't that kind of person. I also like my art style was just not conducive to <laughs> to fine art, fine no. art at all. Like, I'm an illustrator. I don't consider myself an artist really. I try to always say I'm a graphic artist or I'm an illustrator because of my time at Michaela's. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But the one great thing was we had really amazing theory, theory uh, lecturers and um, a one lecturer did this whole, like for I think a term, we did a, a thing on comics and Fuck we went yes. through like, you know, South African comics and like bitter comics, like, bitter that comics was like really, the one. And then, like, that was really big at one stage. Did they go through like the, the stuff from the 80s and that? Just like A little the, bit, a little yeah, bit. The dirty and shit. <laughs> yeah, there was some like really gross, like yeah. <laughs> awful stuff. But that was like one of the things that really opened my eyes and then... But the comics the, is fucking for South Africa so important and like it uh, is it is it really is we'll get, maybe um, get into that just now. Um, so then, um, in my um, in my Michaela's library, my Michaela's, uh, my uh, <laughs> Michaela's library, they also had the most amazing comic book section, and it was something that I'd never seen. I mean, I, this is like a girl from, you know, Greytown in the middle of nowhere where I was only exposed to the occasional Archie or Tintin or sometimes... So you only got into comics, like... Well, I was always interested in comics, even growing up. And, like, we'd go to CNA or whatever, and, like, well, PNA, I don't even think we had a CNA. (laughs) And I'd get, like... Bought out like that Italian store or something. Like, like, I've still got a bunch of comics where, like, I would, like... Where CNA used to have these bins where you could get like five rand comics. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, I would go and like just grab all of these things. Like, like I think I could get like an Archie for like a rand of yeah. or something. And my dad, I only found out much later, my dad was actually a huge comic book nerd when he was growing up. So he came from a really poor upbringing and he'd have to do a paper route to subsidize his you know, family yeah. income. His father was disabled, so he couldn't work. And um, he, he would use a, a tiny portion of their money to buy a comic every week. And he said, like, if he still had that collection, it probably would have been worth um, so much. I like, yeah, like, I, I nearly cried when, okay, well, he's not like my actual grandfather, He's but he is essentially... Um, once told me that yeah he gave away his collection of Spider-Man and oh. like, comics like oh, that no. like he just literally bought like growing up oh no like into his 20s <laughs> like it probably worth so much like not even just the you know what they're worth just like the fuck I want to read them yeah. like I just want to like 
Because he said, yeah, if I'd known you liked comic books, I would have given them to you. Was like, yeah, my dad you? as well. Because, like, I don't think he really expected, like, he's a, a doctor. Both my parents were, at the time, in the medical field, and oh, they didn't expect... such an unfortunate stereotype. Like, <laughs> was there any pressure for you? Like, No, no, no. They, they kind of, like, they, they saw me and they were like, okay... We're just going to let her do whatever the hell she wants. and That's know, cool, because you said like they're like, oh, a little bit conservative. A but little like, bit conservative in the sense that, you know, we weren't allowed to have, like, boyfriends and cell phones. <laughs> and so, typical Indian family. But <laughs> my mom was quite the hippie in other regards. Like, she was really into nature. She was really into the garden. She was really into animals. Like, animals also just love my mom. It's It's weird um but she also was never very religious at the time since like she's had issues so now she's like actually gone back to her religion but so we grew up being like kind of half muslim half tamil but we were raised as being atheists okay that makes any sense yeah yeah um on my dad's side they were tamil my mom's side they were muslim but we were never as a family religious at all so So we were were quite unique in in a certain way like that we weren't ever like forced to be religious at any point in our lives we tried it out but it just never felt right <laughs> so i can imagine it must be quite difficult for parents to try and you know, figure out how do we how do we make this thing happen like and or like what do you teach <laughs> like, what do you teach like i mean i don't know it was it must have been difficult but i think they were more concerned with like us um they're, they're both very, my parents, they've since divorced, but they're both very much into knowledge and just educating yourself. So I think that was like, that took the place of like, you know, shoving religion down our throats. They just wanted us to like be informed and know things and, you know, whatever we did, do it well, sort of So thing. they must have been quite happy when you're like, I want to do fun art. Yeah, they, well, they were like, okay, at least she's like settled on something to, <laughs> You know. <laughs> and then so Michaela's had dope comic books yeah they had some dope comic books um, and I had a few really amazing lecturers and it really opened my eyes to what comics could actually do which I was a little bit like you know I, I didn't know what comics could actually do until that point because and other than that you'd have like Archie would have been one of the alternative like narrative Archie based. Tintin my dad used to give me a Tintin every Valentine's Tintin's Day Tintin's still reason. dope like I, I remember a bit on the racist side but uh, like actually yeah I mean I haven't read Tintin in years <laughs> but I remember reading it as a kid like, I mean I loved Tintin when I didn't really know any bit and I still do I mean like yeah uh, yeah <laughs> But, um, you know, it was also, like, really cool artwork That's styles the thing, like, that was very different. It's very to, like, distinct. The, yeah. So, yeah. So. Yeah. And also, like, you know, well, actually, you know what I grew up on? Like, the thing, like, uh, we used to get the annual Beano. Oh, like, Did you God. ever, like, get those? Or, like, yes, ever, I like, did. Yeah. I, I looked at, at Beano and Dagwood, yes. I think it was called. Yeah, like, I mean, like, when you got lucky, you got lucky. Like, you'd go into those bargain bins and you'd find something Like really those paperweight cool. stores. Those paperweight... Oh, yes, yeah. Oh, gosh. Yeah. And, like, in high school also, like, I was always interested in comics, but I just didn't have the accessibility. So, I think, like, now things are really changing for the better. We're getting more comic book stores all over the country. Like, there's a 
There's one in Durban. There's one in Durban, Kapow, which is amazing. And I highly recommend anyone go and actually have a look there. Yeah, they're actually pretty decent. I mean, like, even in, like, pricing and what they offer, like, in comparison to Joburg stores, they're they're up there. Yeah, they're up there. Like, they they don't have as much space, like, as much inventory. Oh, they're moving upstairs now, so they're going to have a lot more space. Sick. Yeah. Because, but, yeah, like, I mean... You know, you go to somewhere like Comic Warehouse where they've got, like, I maybe shouldn't talk too much shit, but, you know, they've got this name behind them, but, you know, what's on offer is the same as everywhere else, and they're, like, a bit more pricey and stuff like that. Whereas yeah. Kapow's, like, yeah, got, like, a, they, they get all the new stuff in pretty often. Yeah. And they recently, they've got a decent range of, like, older stuff as well, so oh, yeah. you can find, like... Like, the Invisibles, I've seen the Invisibles there, I've seen some Hellboy, like, original Hellboys, like, they've got some really, really good stuff, actually. And it is a bit that's more... That's rare for Durban. Like, that, that is. To be and able I mean, to like, find, like, comic books, like, that are, like, you know, not just at CNA without the fucking backboards and yeah. without, like, oh. It's just, like, completely, like, out of... And you're sync. paying, like, 120 rand for yeah. something that's, like, you should be paying, like, 60 to 80, depending, like... Yeah. Yeah. No, no. Power's amazing. And also, like, the guy who runs it, Sean, is, like, a huge comic book fan. And I mean, like... That is really that cool. That matters a lot. Like, I mean, he, yeah, because he's so passionate about it. And it's really, really fucking cool. Like, you just talk to him and he's got this almost, like, childlike um, look in his eye whenever he's talking about comics. And it's so sweet, you know? <laughs> like, um, whereas there are other comic book uh, shop owners that I know from Joburg and Cape Town. who are super cynical. Yeah, they're cynical because they've had to be. I mean, like, he's coming in at the right time. They've been in the market for so long, and yeah. know, the guy who owns he's like, oh, no, <laughs> fuck this. Like, I just wish I never got into this cursed <laughs> thing, you know? Oh, uh, man. Like, it's funny, because there's a... Oh, I can't remember the name of it, but there was this dope comic store in Edenvale that's closed down, and, like, that was, like, my favorite place in the world to, like, go to. And, like, yeah, now you've got places like Comic Warehouse opening up, and you've got, like, all these other new stores. Like, you've got a, a comic store in Durban, and it's, like, you. it's weird, like, some stores just missed, like, you know, this recent yeah. boom. So, yeah, it's pretty cool that, you know, all these stores, like, well, the, the Durban has a comic book store and that, that, like, you know, even in Joburg, new stores are popping up, even yeah. though some older ones have died and that. And stuff like Comic-Con, you know, like, because you've obviously seen Fan-Con grow, you've obviously seen Icon grow, mm. and you've now seen Comic-Con, but did you ever expect it? Like, because growing up, like, we were ostracized, fucked for liking comic books. Like, whether you liked Spider-Man or, like, you liked Archie, you were a fucking weirdo that, like, oh, other yeah. people didn't fuck with. So now it's, like, just mainstream culture. It's just a part... Like, Disney, the biggest company... Like, one of the biggest companies in the world, like, you know, is putting out comic book movies constantly, essentially. Yeah, not comic books that you like, necessarily, but I still think we should be a little bit concerned by one corporation like releasing so hello, much. Hello, hello, Like I mean, they've got Star Wars now. They've got like Marvel, I think. Yeah. Um, they've got Fox. They, they don't. They've got Fox. I don't think they have got Spider Man yet, but that might. Like I there's, think Sony's still got Spider Man, but yeah, there's there's talks like <laughs> there. But I mean, I think that's a little bit concerning. I won't lie, um, but. Yeah, I mean, like, there are, 
it has grown and it, it is good but we we just need to also constantly remember that comic book movies are also comic book movies and we also need to go back buy to the source books. and buy comic books because there's still this booming industry that is still not as not quite as mainstream as the movies and often often comics aren't actually made to be movies no you know? not at all and some some comics are actually really beautiful just as being a standalone comic and um like for instance let's talk about watchmen yeah and watchmen i thought the movie was actually pretty good i thought the movie was better than the comic and like i know i'll get crucified <laughs> crucified for saying that oh my god but, no, but only but, because of the ending so obviously the comic is great like it's a 12 book like fucking thing like and it's fantastic but throughout but they had the, the, the books whole, but it's just the whole, a 12th book i don't enjoy but the, the, they had the whole thing with the like all the artists and stuff that were put on the island and that was so cool and they were going to like blast that in the middle of New York yeah, okay like no, that that was dope like yeah and, and no, they, speeches about but, semantics or like I mean it was so beautiful the, the book was so beautiful and I yes, think okay, that the, no, the, like I, I don't know if I can say I just preferred the ending of the movie to the ending of the book and I thought the, mo- the movie okay, was very enough. very good the movie was very like Luke you'll probably disagree anyway. yeah we I think we did disagree <laughs> about it so but yeah. um I really liked the movie. I thought it was like the perfect kind of that that is how you do a good comic book. Have you seen um, The Boys yet? No, I haven't. I haven't me neither. Um but punch. but with Watchmen that was like I mean like for the first the first scene uh with the comedian yeah. getting thrown out the window. I mean that was like almost frame by frame the same the, It as, was the comic. Yeah. It was the comic. So um, I think they Sin City also did very well with that. Yeah, well, the first one. I'm not too <laughs> sure about A Day of to Kill for. I haven't well, really watched that um, one, but I've read the comic. Well, um, the like the movie wasn't as good as the first movie, but in terms of sticking to the comics, it was kind of more accurate in a weird uh, way. Okay. Like it seemed, but like but it like was, stylistically, was it still the same yeah. as like that Frank Miller? Yeah, very much. It was just, but it was more disjointed in that Frank Miller way, almost. Like I think a Dame to Kill for, if I remember correctly, like the movie felt like a lot more like reading the comics, like for yeah, me. That's cause interesting. That's actually I think I think so because like I mean I haven't watched it in so long, but the original Sin City, I remember being a great movie. Like, but like feeling too coherent. Whereas, like, if you read the Sin City books, mm. like, you piece together I the world, yeah. like, through pieces, essentially. Because it's, a, it's essentially a very noir... Um, Hello. Like... So so they don't ever give you too much. I mean, even in the artwork, you're not given everything. Anything. <laughs> like... You're just given, like, black negative... Black and white, and, silhouettes, yeah. silhouettes, and, like... Yeah. Yeah, I'm a big fan of, like, especially Sin City. Like, I like Frank Miller's work. I like his writing, like, mm. a lot. Um... Yeah, Batman was pretty good. You should <laughs> check out Criminal. Criminal is brilliant. Okay, I don't I'll, know. I'll, we've got some. I'll, I'll lend you some. Um, it's by Ed Brubaker. He's the writer. Yeah, I, I know him, yeah. Very, very good. And also very noir in the whole crime, like small crime sort of But that's vibe. what's cool about comics, is that you can have all these different genres, and it's not just superheroes. It's yeah, not just... absolutely not. I mean, like, there's, there's some of the... the um, the French, 
comics are some of my favorites. Like, is it like uh, surreal stuff? Or? That it's like Mobius, which is like kind of fantastical, but so weird and so amazing. And then Philip Droulet, who's like also so strange and almost like a cult in like, you know, how he, um, how he writes and how he uh, creates his world. Um, there's people like Dan Klaus, who is like extremely either like dealing in ghost world like with the the absolute mundane or going to the other end of the spectrum and and talking about like such surreal stuff um while still trying to link it to genres that you know so it makes it even weirder and then you know you get like things like black sad which is like um a beautiful comic book the artwork is absolutely stunning and um it's it's a crime noir but all the characters are animals. They're very like, you know, they look like people. With like, yeah. You know, they're bipedal and got hands and stuff. But they're like, Black Sad himself is like a cat with a little, you know, bit of white on his chin. And, you know, they deal with such interesting stories. And the great thing about comics is you have like that ability to do anything. Because you don't have to worry about a huge movie budget no you just have to all you have to worry about is well can i hire someone to draw it (laughs) yeah yeah that's it like um my friend kerry who does the uh, tech noir technoir looked super dope i didn't get it because i'll I'll lend you i'll lend you we've got like all of his stuff i will i will eventually get it for myself because really like the look of it really like the vibe but yeah i only had cyberpunk so much money to spend on that day i know i know i i like also had to normally in the past i've had like an actual job so I've been able to just like blow thousands at a convention, but like now that I'm a freelancer, it's like okay, I've got a. But now you get to trade, but you're still trading on your cost price and like you're. Yeah, exactly, and also like honestly, I didn't take enough comics up this time. Like next year, I'm definitely gonna get a stall. (laughs) A yarn stall. Yeah. (laughs) That's cool, and um, I was chatting to like earlier, just saying like obviously like the con thing must help in terms of just getting to come out of your shell a bit more oh absolutely like honestly it's been because like honestly the, the the people that participate in these cons are so supportive and so amazing and everyone's kind of in the same boat like there's this thing called that everyone kind of talks about about the imposter syndrome oh god yeah (laughs) we feel like you don't actually belong there yeah 100 percent. and that i think comes from you know a lot of us being from a very similar background you know being kind of like weirdos in high school or college or whatever so society in general doesn't necessarily support you and your dreams and what you do yeah but then like you know you come to these cons in the first few years yeah you have that a bit but then like as you start to like because you also see other people whose work is like nuts but like the 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 cool thing is they come to your so those people that you think oh my god they're unattainably good they're so good they come, they come to your stores and, like, oh, and they're this, like, that. Yeah. so there's so much support that happens in the comic book scene in South Africa at the moment. It's, it's actually, it almost gives me goosebumps. Like it's so beautiful because it's not like, you know, the music scene, which or the tattoo scene, which can come across as being a bit like 
intimidating yeah. or like a little bit like ooh, you know people are trying to i don't know but compete a bit compete more. a bit more but like people in the comic book scene are so happy that someone else has decided to like do this thing of making a comic book that they are so supportive I and mean, it doesn't matter if you've just released a a tiny a5 five page comic or if you're like daniel hugo who's released like <laughs> tons and tons of comics and is the most amazing artist yeah like his stuff is so good he's another one who like i'm like i'm gonna save some money for next year's con and i will buy your work like just because i mean not that he charges a lot at all it's just like you know everyone else is doing the cheap self-published stuff for like 50 bucks 80 yeah. bucks is that you know, he's got, like, really good books for, like, 250 Like, but, like, really good I, books. I think it's, like, like, now they're actually... They've, I think, compiled um, the Sector books, if I'm not mistaken, into, like, one... Have they done a competing for it? Yeah. Because like, I so, saw the, yeah, they've got them all there. Like, I just... I don't know if they've got them all together. I saw on Facebook, and they were thinking about doing that. And also, um, yeah, so I think, like... That might be a good way to like actually just spend a bunch of money on like something that is really worthwhile because it's got everything in there. I really am a huge supporter of not buying like those little like, you know, the singles. I like buying like the compiled editions of things. See, but the singles, you know, long term will hold more value. They might, but like they look so nice on a shelf when they've got a spine and they've got like you know. Yeah, no, I'm with you. It's just I just know that single issues, like as time goes on, like I'm not, I'm not in it to. I mean, I've got a, a very like between Luke and I, we've got. Quite I can an imagine impressive, you guys must have quite an impressive yeah, collection. You must come over one day and see our comic um, book shelf it's huge. I'd probably like like with some friends I do that with their books I'm like oh you got this oh you got this oh you got this like I can imagine like you guys like with comic books it's gonna be like that just for an hour like yeah. you can, we've got a very comfortable couch you're welcome to sit on the couch and read comics like we don't really lend them out but but know. so how did you get into creating comics because like we were saying like you did Michaela's fine art you didn't necessarily feel like that was um, for you when I was at Michaela's in my final year I kind of found my feet a little bit because like before that in my in my theory side I'd be doing really well like hitting 80s or 90s but then my my practical side would be you know you know, barely passing. What were because, your lines thick or like, what was it? Oh, like? it was just like everything about me. I, I don't know. I tried so hard. I was like, oh, I just yeah, don't know what to there's do. No, there's nothing about your style that's fine art. Like, I know. Nothing. And like, well, I like, love your work, like with a passion. Like, I really, like your, your layer, like the one I sent you as a reference oh, yes, for the Heat yes. City thing. Like, I absolutely love that. Like, and it's just so simple. Like, and it's like, like, I love that. I love your 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 avocat universes, like yeah. you know the ones you create those big, like the one like the temple. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Like that's such yeah. a cool piece. But like, I can imagine that kind of line work is not what they want in fine yeah, art yeah. or like. That I kind mean, of I, I got criticized kind of... a lot for being too cartoony or, yeah. you know, too over exaggerated with my stuff and like. No, it was it was very disheartening, and honestly, yeah, you're I not realistic in your. I wasn't realistic at all. I'm I'm not a realistic. I can do it now. Um, I've tried to perfect Look. that. I because I worked with hey, a jewelry a... design okay. company, and I had to do hyper realistic jewelry, well renditions of their rings and stuff. But back then, 
that wasn't what I wanted to do. <laughs> what the fuck, man? Like, so it was very disheartening and I thought about dropping out a lot, but then I was like, you know, my parents have paid so much money yeah. for me to be here. <laughs> I'm just going to, I'm going to try well, to. Also, congrats on getting in there. Like, that's Thank not you. easy. Thank you. Like, no, it isn't. I, I don't know. Honestly, I have no idea how my entire degree went. I, I don't know how <laughs> I got in. I don't know how. I, don't I, feel, know I feel like quite a few people might feel that way after because I'm, I'm chatting to people not on this cast but like even people who are doing art you know like not illustration essentially you you create the difference and like obviously it's all art but under those terminologies and stuff but like even those people who are doing art are like yeah no Michaela's like definitely made me see my life yeah. like it deconstructs everything you think you know about everything and then you have to it forces you and this is the one good thing about that place just like <laughs> um it makes you reconstruct yourself brick by brick like you know in a way that you might not be entirely comfortable with but you need to actually address and that i think was the best things about michaela's like it wasn't helping me with my practical style because honestly, like, I felt like me just working on my own over the years really just, like, helped with my skills and, like, helped with where I was going artistically and aesthetically. But in terms of, like, almost a philosophical or mental kind of space, that is what Michaela's did for me. And... It's, it was tough, and honestly, I really would not recommend anyone <laughs> go there if you're not, like, really into fine art, but um, at the same time, I'm quite grateful. It's also hard it. to know if you're into fine art at, like, 17, 18. Exactly, yeah. fine art's a thing, I think, maybe... I feel like I should have actually probably just gone straight into... Um, graphic design. Graphic design, but also... But did you worry that that just sounded like... A lesser degree or what was the thing you don't think you were learning enough skills from it or? I don't know what it was I think I like honestly I didn't think at all about my career and I, I like my mom said oh there's this thing called fine art and I looked at it and I was like okay cool I'm doing that <laughs> and I literally I applied to fine art and like my second option was like um, philosophy you know no psychology oh, okay. and philosophy got, yes psychology no although maybe these days that would be like psychology yes philosophy <laughs> no I don't know both, then, both will fuck you up both <laughs> will fuck you up royally um, but like Michaela's was the, like I got replies from like Rhodes and from Tux and from so obviously know. your work in high school was pretty good it was good it was more <laughs> realistic but it, it yeah because that's what you learn in school though as well it does uh, yeah, yeah well you I get mean, taught st- like you get taught still to, life in school and shit it's very hard to actually be taught art like I still can't really wrap my head around it it's like you just look at the thing and draw it well it's giving like, you examples it's tell like someone tells you techniques it's like techniques yes and like materials yes um like and like how to use materials but like with with art like you have to have that interest in that like drive to like oh my god i've seen this thing and i really want to draw that you really, well, you want to i want to like kind of recreate that in some way or even now that i'm also like into comics and into storytelling it's like oh I just thought about this thing just before I went to sleep and I really need to like put that down because I think that will really work. Well, is that something that comics has taught, well, 
there's something about comics that's very different to fine art is that you have to think about a whole entire storyline. Like, yeah. you have to, like, because, like, with fine art, you're creating one piece that, yes, it's expressing something, but, like, it's all there in that thing. There's no turning the page with the fine art piece. Whereas with comics, you've got to create a narrative now. You've got to not just create that, you've got to create a whole universe. You've got to create stuff that's concise. It's writing. It's a, lo- a lot of it is now writing. It's not just art. Well, well, going back to my time in Michaela's, and I will answer this, but like <laughs> um, my final piece was uh, like the we had to um, submit a catalog of our work and we had to have a theory um, I mean a practical you know actual artwork and we had to have like a dissertation my catalog was a comic book (laughs) Um, it was me having a discussion with my laptop um, in comic book form about um, where we came from because I, my whole thing was about indentured laborers of mm-hmm. Indian people because I thought, you know, I needed to like actually... You're going to say, oh, you don't want to bring up the POC thing. Yeah, <laughs> no, like, I thought like, okay, this will this will get me some bursts or whatever. It didn't, but... Um, <laughs> oh, it? it didn't. <laughs> but so, so I was, I was uh, making cartoons. Like, it uh, wasn't... They, it's, it so wasn't the, the context was enough. great. Like, yeah. Okay. Like, so I made this cartoon and I was basically talking about uh, where did you come from, computer? And my computer was replying to me. And, like, it was it was pretty funny as well. Cool. And, I mean, it did pretty well. Like, people liked it. But, and then my, my final year artwork was a uh, an animation, a 15-minute animation on, like... Good. Um, it was, like, I was trying to tie in the architecture of, of Gray Street, which I love. Yeah. With like just like that art deco mixed with that like art deco w- like some, anything yeah with like everything with apartheid with like yeah yeah like with like German like eighteen hundred <laughs> shit yeah, like exactly. yeah like and like tying it into like you know people that have actually written about this this particular space and like historians I I researched like and interviewed and rotoscoped historians that actually like were very invested in the space and I made this little documentary and I I exhibited that and like you know so yeah I Was think animation stuff you want to go into it used to be but like to be honest like I I, I don't know I don't know if I have the page I, I know most people would yeah say, it's a lot of fucking work God you God. don't have the patience to make a comic but like you, I really do not have the patience to make an animation. Comics I have slightly a, I tap less my work. Ha- yeah, like. slightly less work. For, but like, I mean, I tap my hit, my hat to animators. They are incredible. Yeah, and no, one hundred percent. Like that, no, like that is a level of dedication that like I can't even imagine. Because there's no parts about that that doesn't take time. Oh. You, you can't whip up a quick animation. <laughs> I was I was trying to like rotoscope and like I was literally doing um thirty frames a second. Thirty frames. So you better So I, you frames. draw something and then you draw it again but slightly different. Like literally thirty of those for one, one second. second. And then you And then you've got a, a three minute interview. So I mean like my life in my final year at Michaela's was like non existent. <laughs> I did not leave my room. Wow. <laughs> it does give you like a big appreciation for like Looney Tunes. Or, like, oh yeah. Well yeah. 
Jeez, those guys. I mean, those were doing everyone. Those people were doing like hand rendered stuff. Like yeah. that is like every frame. Every single frame. Like, and just crazy. the writing on that stuff was also some high level stuff. <laughs> no, like genuinely, it was like, yeah. like the fifties, sixties, like era of Looney Tunes is like honestly just some high high tier like comedy. <laughs> like I'm a big fan. Like uh, yeah, there's actually this podcast called The Rule of Three, and Phil Jupiter. So if you know him, he's a British comic. Um, he spoke about Chuck Law, who wrote a lot of the comics, uh, wrote a lot of the scripts and stuff for... Oh, really? Chuck Law? I've heard that name around. Yeah, you definitely, if it comes to Warner Bros, like, you would have seen a lot of his work, like, a lot, like, Roadrunner and all that. Oh, okay, cool. (laughs) Yeah. So, Bugs Bunny was, like, he did that a lot as well. And just, man, like, so that's the thing, like... That's what's dope about comics is this art form. It really does like it's, but for you guys, I guess it's a little different because what I was gonna say, it's such a cool team experience. Like you know, you've got the writer, you've got the illustrator, you've got the inker, you've got all of this, but you've got uh, you. Yeah. Um. I I don't know. I I Luke and I want to um. Create something together. Yeah, we want to create this. Do like, you really though? No, no, we do. We've got like the Are you characters. Not worried? No, I think we'd work. We. Um, do you guys we, work well together? Like, because you guys have a company. I together, mean, like we work like, well. We don't have a company together. Well, you've got actually, a thing but where we, you we, do work together. We work from home, and he works on one side of our studio, and I work from the other Did you side. Have the, the what was it? The we del- had the billion billion. Yeah, yeah. You're not doing that thing. at the moment. No, it's we've just got other stuff that we need to do. Okay. Um, but I mean, I enjoy doing it. But um, we he scripted a couple of my um my Avocat stuff actually. I can imagine he's good be, at that. Yeah, he was amazing, and um, we've got an idea for a. He understands structure very well. Yes. Oh. He is like he could probably write dissertations on comics and like. We're just know. reading his comics, like you get like he understands how. Oh yeah, it all he's works. very very technical, and I mean like he gets really annoyed if people don't have like you know their, their stuff in the right place. Stuff in the right place, or you, if you've got your speech bubbles and you don't have your text aligned inside the speech, like that oh, is a huge yes. no no. I agree. <laughs> like, I agree. Like you're like, please make it easier for me to read. Like exactly, it it does distract you, and sometimes you don't even realize that this is happening. But like anyway, what's well, design and it is design. So. But um, we we have been talking about collaborating on a comic called um. Um, Night Town, I think we've decided I can imagine on. you guys would do something dark and funny. It's very, yeah, it's dark and funny. It's like a crime noir, but like <laughs> set in this like kind of like demon uh, universe. Yeah, sounds about right. You know, like there's starlets that, you know, have gone missing or have died. <laughs> and there's like a <laughs> The PR, noir classic. You know, the, the noir, like kind of poking fun at the genre, but also kind of like, you know, it's a love letter towards the genre because we both love noir and yeah. like crime noir. So, so that's in the works when we actually have some time. But like Luke's also got so many comics that he's producing and I've got a lot of like, both paid work and my own work, which is not necessarily paid work. But your own work does pay off eventually, like when you sell it, it as does, comics. It like does, it does, no, get to no. Like... I mean, like you, but, but you... we, bear in mind, we we do, we've done Icon, FanCon and Comic-Con, 
and that's probably what we're gonna do again but online year. stuff we haven't really gotten there yet eh? like it's like it it will happen it's just um i think setting up an online store is like absolutely necessary for what you do yeah it's just like you guys have physical products i feel like i need a personal assistant so that i can like work on my thing and then like someone can just like send out my orders so i might actually recruit someone to do that at some point so that they can like work with my store and you know because at the moment it's a little bit too you just don't have the time i don't have the time or energy or I also have a two-hour nap during the day, so that would cut into my nap time. Yeah, you know, maybe, maybe maybe make it like an hour and a half nap and you can send out some orders, you know? Like, I'm just saying, like, you could, you could increase your, your income. Okay, look, I, I work till, like, very late at night, so, like, I need no, to No, I'm with you. I, I do the same thing some days, because, like, I'm usually up until about two or three and mm-hmm. get up around eight, nine-ish. Yeah. And so an afternoon nap, when you do that it's yeah. very very necessary it just helps out like you've got to get enough sleep in your life <laughs> <laughs> so what's next what are you working on at the moment well i need to i need to my other comic uh the first comic i ever put out called the rusty bolt i need to get yes, back to that the rusty, i've got the rusty bolt yes and um I, I will expand on that universe i've got a lot of plans for that like um, what's the vibe with rusty bolts like it's like not cyberpunky, but like like influenced a bit by it, or like you know what it was. I read a book by Mark Twain. I think course. it was called like On the Road. No, no, that's Jack Kerouac. Yeah, <laughs> it was like the one where he's like kind of traveling on a train. I can't remember the name right now. Me neither. But. I, I read that book on audiobook and it was just so amazing because there's all these like old barflies that were just talking about their exaggerated experiences and I was so fascinated by that and I really really just because I love like going to bars and listening to the barflies these so old like Western, dudes or, like, or these yeah yeah or, like you can even find a western kind of story at at the bar at Amsterdam or at La Bella, you know? <laughs> like, you hear these stories that are so exaggerated, so extra, you know, it's fantastical. And I love that. I, I I fell in love with listening to these stories of these, like... Because I just, like, go to bars in Cape Town before Luke moved down when we first moved there. Then we moved back. Um, <laughs> thank God. <laughs> um, and, like, I just go to bars and, like, just listen to these old ladies or old dudes and like i found it fascinating and um that really informed the rusty bolt and i was really inspired by philip k dick oh nice and gnosticism which he references a lot in his books so i think the like the universe will expand but like I think Avocat probably has a better chance right now. <laughs> so that's why I'm working more on, on Avocat. But the Rusty Ball 2 is coming. There was actually something, like, you kind of bring it up, and I guess I can we can talk about it before we close this. Um, the commercialization of all of this. Like, do you feel weird about the fact that it's now this big commercial thing? Or was it always the thing? Like, people were always trying to sell comics. People were always trying to sell their art. Like... You know, and for yourself, you even making those decisions now of like, well, I've got to go with Avocat. And obviously you love Avocat, 
but rusty bolts like you know this thing that you also love and you probably wish you know you could have the time and all that and the time money everything but you know that if you spend more time on Avocat now like that it'll sell more and well, it'll make well, more money definitely from it. like um i i think i think like that i think of like what's going to make me the more, most money and like honestly i want to put out there like really good content that people want to actually support so Avocat is still like you know very very meaningful and like it's good content. yeah we're not talking about Avocat like Avocat sucks and it's just this thing you're doing no, no, just no, to no, make no, money but I'm, <laughs> like, yeah but like Avocat is probably the more marketable thing at the moment yeah and I know a lot of creatives are probably like stone me to death right now but like honestly I love both my my comics but Avocat is the thing that sells and I identify that and I have to run with it and when I've got like a bit of capital to support the Rusty Bolt then I'll go back to the Rusty Bolt and it's not because I don't like the Rusty Bolt as much um, it's just it's you just, just understand the market it's just I understand the market and like you have to be you have to think it's like in preachers a business preachers don't way. sell as much as Batman <laughs> it's just like it's exactly. a simple thing like <laughs> like <laughs> That's a great way of putting it. Like, we know... I'm so honoured to be compared to that. <laughs> but it is. Like, I mean, you know, Dark Horse... Dark, wait, they, they are Dark Horse, not Image, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was, but, like, you know, eventually getting bought up by DC and stuff, you know? But, like, yeah, like, something like Preacher, people wouldn't even know about. So, yeah. Like, they weren't bought out by DC eventually. Exactly. So, like... So, yeah, like, Cat's in a huge... Um, avocado shaped guac rocket like i understand like people absurdism is going to like kind of trump like this weird like philosophical gnostic kind of book that i want to write about robots like which is still interesting but like you know you have to think about what's what's going to sell yeah you're not going to get people walking past your booth looking at it and picking it up and going yeah that's what i want exactly. like essentially you're going to get other people going this was a good book you should pick it up exactly and yeah. once again like what are the like i mean obviously you're selling stuff online but i get like the volume of stuff you sell in a con must be much higher than oh, like yeah. in a month like a one month oh sales. yeah i i think south africans are still quite um they're not really into the whole like buying online from other South Africans sort of thing. So I know <laughs> they'll like, buy from Amazon. Yeah. yeah, we'll buy from Amazon and we'll buy from Take a Lot. But like you know, um, if we're buying from creators, it's a little bit. Well, like, you don't sketchy. know that they're gonna send it to you, like yeah. You know, but I mean, like I, I have, and frame. I mean, they do. I mean, like it's these like yeah, young, no. young creators who just wanna like actually get this stuff out there, and they look at like the people on Instagram who are doing it and making livings off this yeah. from, you know, Canada or Sweden or, you know, the US or whatever, and they want to emulate that. But at the same time, there's so many connotations that you have with the South African, like, market, you know, market. Yeah. So um, that's, I think, another thing that's prevented me from actually selling my stuff online. Um, I do okay with cons enough to like kind of just like and i've also got other paid work to subsidize myself so i'm not like just only relying on my fun stuff <laughs> to make a living and pay my rent so yeah. for now hopefully for now. one day one day um things. also if i if i you know if i get my shit together and get a web store 
that is trustworthy to other South Africans, then maybe... Yeah, I don't know why you and Luke don't do that. Like, it would be a good, like... Oh my god, can you imagine Luke, like, the amount of stress he'd go through? <laughs> just like no, you to... guys hire someone else to do it. Okay, yeah, you... if we had to do that, maybe, maybe. Yeah, get the hire someone else, let them take a decent percentage of the profits, and you get the rest. Like, you work yeah. on what you want to do. It's but... probably going to end up being my mom. Yeah, so if anyone other than Tasman's mom <laughs> wants to do that, where can they find you? You can find me on Instagram. Um, my um, Instagram handle is attached to your write-up of this. Okay. Or, or it's um, at TazBedeviled with two L's. I like that you know what I put in the write-up, so you've got to check Yeah, that. I think I'd rather do that, because like, there's two spellings for bedeviled. So. Uh, okay, I feel you. <laughs> And then also, you got the coolest websites like in the country. Thank you. Tasman.co.za. <laughs> <laughs> a friend got that for me. I was like, whoa, I didn't even realize I actually have that space open. So. Yeah, like that, that was a good hustle. Like yeah. just, you are yeah. www.tasman.co.za. So if you want to check out Tasman's work. And if you want to contact Although you need me. to update it more. I know, I am, I am going to. I'm just like, yeah, this is what my future... No, I, I know what it's like. Like you've got the stuff like that makes you money and all the other things that you actually have to do. That updating stuff, you know, yeah. Gets but no, I, it it is it is very important. So I will get to it. So yeah. yeah. And any cons coming up? Anything else happening? FanCon for sure. When's um, FanCon? That is, I think, That's in June. In no, no, June, July. Because uh, there's. That's early in the year for um, me. Comic. <laughs> there's um, Comic Con Cape. Town that's yeah, that's happening. probably like March, isn't it? It's take kind of not fan. But it's March or May. It's one of the ends. <laughs> yeah, um, I think at the end of March, April, I think it's okay. somewhere around there. So they taken the slot of FanCon, and FanCon has moved to like July yeah. or something. Okay. So I'm not sure. Like flying to Cape Town is quite expensive, so I don't know if I can do the both but, of the trips, but. Um, I'd love to if I could because I'd love to be part of the first Comic Con Cape Town. Um, but does the next con, con does Cape Town have more of like a scene for comics? They do, and they yeah, I guess for they creators, do. They, there's maybe. like a lot of creators in Cape Town, and, and they're very interesting. It's a very interesting space, and there's also a lot of support for local comics. Like every single time I've I've sold stuff at a fan con, there's been like you know clocks or you know various bookstores that have come and like bought like you know eight or ten actual bookstores yeah and they 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 buy stuff not on consignment consignment. that's awesome that's yeah it's a really really great deal so they buy like eight or ten at a time because i can imagine you go stuff a consignment it comes back all buckled and fucked up yeah consignment isn't a vibe (laughs) like i don't fuck with that shit yeah (laughs) cool so people can find you at the cons they can find you online online and if you do really want something shipped to you please just let me know and i will make a plan or, or your assistant will make a plan. Or my assistant. My future assistant. The future assistant will make <laughs> a plan. It's probably going to be my mom. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for your time. Thanks, This has Bob. been great. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs>